Hello everyone. I have some extra time today. So I thought while I'm free and feeling inspired, I thought I would share a little bit more on a recent Bible study lesson I was reading through the making of a man or a woman of God. I'm going to share some scriptures here. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means and hopefully this won't take too long. I don't want anyone to drift off, but there's definitely a lot of really good stuff, I think, for all of us to consider and dig into a little bit more in regards to developing ourselves to be the sons and daughters of God that we're called to be. So Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Ephesians 2 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15 says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, but may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. None of us are perfect, but certainly the Bible tells us we should all strive to be perfect and complete. Over and over again, we read in the Bible, you shall be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Strive to do those works until we all come to the place where we are perfect. That we may one day present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We are to labor fervently for ourselves and for others that we will stand perfect and complete in the will of God. And you know it's always a good reminder that it's all scripture that is given by the inspiration of God. It is all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is all given so that we may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word translated perfect comes from the Greek word teleos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Greek is one of many things I would like to learn. Um, it means complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental and moral character, completeness, of full age, mature, perfect. Now, as God, Jesus was sinless and perfect, but his humanity still had to grow to maturity. He had to become perfected or complete through his experiences. Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So it was fitting for him. All things are made by him. All things are made for him. To bring many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He was a son. Yet still he had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. And once he was perfected, he became the author of salvation to all who obey him. So the man, Jesus, wasn't born a mature, perfect adult. He was not complete 
and perfected in every area of his human experience. He didn't become the author of our salvation until he learned obedience and submission. The word obedience actually comes from Greek, hupako, meaning compliance or submission. Jesus became the author of eternal salvation after he was perfected. And he is able to give help to those who are tempted, because he too was tempted in all points, just as we are. So he has the ability to feel compassion towards us when we are combating our weaknesses, because he faced his own personal temptations too. So there's a couple things that God gives us to help us to become a perfected or mature child of God. Some call it the fivefold ministry. This is the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the teachers, the apostles. They are all given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. They're given to edify the body of Christ until we all come to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's so important for us to have spiritual leaders, to have spiritual fellowship. These are things that the Word of God offers to us to help bring us into spiritual maturity. We can't do this on our own. Our fellowship with saints, ministering to one another, it is so important. 1 Corinthians 14.26 tells us that whenever we come together, each should have a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. All things should be done for edification. So the spiritual blessings we receive from God, the fellowship we have with one another. My apologies, I forgot to turn that off. Um, anyway, where was I? Okay, um, these are all a part of God's plan. The trials, the tribulations, the temptations, the persecution. We can't develop a Christ-like character without these things. And whenever we're going through a struggle, it, it's so hard. But it's so necessary for us to remember it's God's will for us to endure this right now. Um, we are God's handiwork. We are his creation. He's working in our lives to perfect us, to complete us. It's all a part of his divine purpose. And when we're trusting in God, maybe we won't see his purpose in what we're experiencing but we will just trust that it's there. And maybe it's not even, the benefit isn't even for us. Maybe it's for someone else that we will meet or um, someone that we will pass by who needs to see our faith, our surety, um, who needs to see that even in the struggles and the trials, we're not blown about, we're not angry, we're not bitter, but we're at peace because we have that peace that passes all understanding. And we are sure that whatever happens in this current world, our gifts and our reward is all eternal things. And that's so much more. So our attitude. And I can be so honest that I struggle with this. Um, very much. I am very much an introverted, organized, everything has a place kind of person. And when things don't work out like that, and they often don't when you're in a family of six, um, it can be hard to remember and to see how 
these trials and tribulations, no matter how big or small they are, they produce perseverance and character, and they grow our hope in Christ. The scriptures tell us to take pleasure in those infirmities and reproaches, in the needs and the persecutions, in our distress, to take pleasure in it for Christ's sake. When we are weak, then he is strong. So we should count it all joy, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? And, you know, it leads me to a quick story of Job. And then I promise I'll wrap this up for the day. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. He was perfect. He was upright. Job was blameless. And, you know, there was a visual for those outside of his family that certainly he obeyed God and kept his commands because he had a large family. He had much wealth and oxen and donkeys and camels. And it's said that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And yet I also read recently that even in all of this that Job had, all of this goodness and this wealth and these blessings, he still wasn't fully aware of the gulf that existed between his righteousness. Oh, excuse me, I had to sneeze there. He wasn't fully aware of the wide expanse between his righteousness and the righteousness of God. He still needed to see experience for himself how great his God really was and find a place of true humility. So we all know the story. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. His wife told him to curse God and die. He lost his awareness of the presence of God. We read how Job says, I go forward, but he is not there. I cannot perceive him. I cannot behold him. I cannot see him. In all of this, Job knew that he was going through a trial. He knew that the trial was allowed by God, and he was determined to be faithful no matter what came his way. He says in Job 23.10, He knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, Job also had friends. And, you know, this is one of those things that I read, and it always reminds me to consider carefully the company I keep. In the midst of all of his trials, his friends made these long speeches telling Job that certainly he had sin in his life. There was something that was wrong in his life, or he just wouldn't be suffering this way. Of course, Job, being upright and blameless, he responds saying, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. There's no actual sin Job created, at least nothing that's recorded in the Bible. But he did clearly need to see the greatness of God to be humbled and softened just a bit. Um, he was awfully sure that he's kept his ways, that he's held fast. And certainly we want to have that assurity in our lives that we can say that too. But we also always need to remember to be humble and teachable 
to know that God always has so much more to show and share than what we have right now. So in his trial, Job said, God has made my heart weak. God revealed his greatness to Job. And Job listened while God described the greatness of his power and his majesty. He said, what shall I answer you? Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Twice, but I will proceed no further. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and therefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Job experienced God in a very real, very new way. He experienced the greatness and the power and the glory of God, and that's pretty humbling. And what can you say except, who am I? And then repent of all that you've done, all that you've said, your certainty in your own goodness. It's the goodness of God. God told him to pray for his friends. And Job did. And when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his losses twice as much as he had before. God gave Job more children, more sheep and camels, and oxen and donkeys. Job stood fast in the trials, and it brought many blessings to him, not just materially, but spiritually. And I think those spiritual blessings are the ones that matter most of all when it comes to our work with God. When God reveals to us the greatness and the holiness that he is, how can we not help but be humbled? and draw even closer to God. We all know there aren't many things that are, well, not all things are good in themselves. But hopefully we all remember that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Hold fast. Keep his commands. Love the Lord with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength and simply trust in his promises so that you too will come forth as gold.